With your help, we can continue to fight for freedom. This is not possible without your generosity. Join our quest for the truth and our freedom and donate today. Simply go to tntradio.live. In a secret lab somewhere in the Western Hemisphere, the perfect human specimen has been born. He has the strength of 10 men and the wisdom of 20. Rick Munn. Now you listen here. He's a very naughty boy. TNT Radio. Now go away. <laughs> no, don't go away. Please don't go away. We want you to stay tuned here to the one and only, the marvelous, the magnificent, the epic, the astronomical tnt radio today's news talk radio we are coming to the end of our first week at least the monday to friday slot of our live streaming service we want to believe and hope that you people are enjoying it the studio guys are doing a fantastic job the vision guys the sound guys everybody is working feverishly behind the scenes to make the magic happen and if you haven't already done so if you're still listening in through the app on the google play or the app store you can download the tnt radio app please consider checking out the live streams the video streams that are on uh, our webpage, which is tntradio.live also on youtube also on rumble also on facebook and x twitter all the major platforms you now have the option uh, to watch the content and watch the interviews with our guests and talking uh, amongst ourselves as well as simply listening so that's something we want to believe will grow and expand uh, as time passes by so please feel free to share those things on your social media platforms and spread the word about TNT Radio, today's news talk radio. And again, uh, if I can mention, if you don't have the app or you don't have the app downloaded onto your laptop or your uh, phone or whatever it is that you listen in on, simply visit the Google Play Store or the App Store, search for TNT Radio and download it or even forward the link on to other people or put it in group chats. A lot of people are very fond of group chats these days on WhatsApp or Telegram or uh, Signal or different other groups. Drop a link in uh, to the TNT website and encourage people to check it out. Some of them might uh, become converts. Some of them may not like what we're doing. It's all good, but we need to get the word out there if our quest for world domination is to be a success. So coming up this hour, uh, this is the Locked and Loaded show. I'm Rick Munn and uh, Gemma, will be Co Gemma Cooper will be joining me again in a minute or two. And also Mark Malloy will be joining me here from Ireland. Uh, Mark's a great character, a very passionate Irishman. We're going to be talking about a lot of the issues that are currently plaguing Ireland. Uh, I would say at this point in time, we're going to get his unique perspective on those things as well. Uh, I'm actually going to take, uh, we'll take a little break now and welcome Gemma in. She's got a story to discuss. I have another little one that I was going to talk about on my own, but hey, that's a little bit boring, isn't it? I'd rather get Gemma's input on this one as well. So please don't go away. We'll be right back in a split second here. TNT Radio. Delivering the facts. Source I can trust. Today's News Talk Radio. TNT. Okay, welcome back to Gemma Cooper. Uh, Gemma, there was a, a statement that I saw last week that I thought was quite interesting from one of these uh, WEF spokespeople, the World Economic Forum spokesperson. And one thing that she said that I thought was quite interesting was she said, you know, um, there has been a little bit of a tail off with people buying into the vaccine narrative and she blamed that on people like us spreading so-called missing disinformation. She said that climate change was a little bit too much of an abstract concept for people to really grab and get their heads around. So that's not really taking off the way they want to either. And then she said something very interesting. She said, you know what, when the water crisis comes, 
people will understand that because it's simple and everybody needs water. And if you don't have water for a few days at a time, you'll know all about it. And interestingly, there was a story that I saw this week uh, in South Africa that they are, are experiencing a terrible load shedding problems with their electricity grid, but also water problems. Uh, the water uh, infrastructure is terrible. They reckon by 2030, there could be no fresh water, or clean water being delivered to homes in all of South Africa. So maybe... Uh, the, you know, we're hypothesizing a little bit about what's what it's going to take to grab people and bring them back on board again with a World Economic Forum type narrative. Could this be what it is? Can you even imagine what it would be like to have no running water for three, four, five days, let alone a month or six months? Imagine the turmoil that that would cause within a country if we couldn't access uh, clean water. Well, it is actually almost going that way here in the UK because, of course, the, the water companies were, were privatised and most of them in the UK is all different water companies and they're all owned by foreign investors, very few of whom have ever set foot on British soil. And they're making billions of pounds in profit, which is all going to the shareholders, and they're not reinvesting any of it into the water infrastructure here in this country. So no new reservoirs have been built. There's leakages, mm -hmm. there's sewage being pumped into the sea, into the rivers um, from farming and just from the fact that the system can't cope with the amount of people that now live here and the water companies could not give a stuff they're these massive global corporations funnily enough blackrock and vanguard own, own two water major shareholders in two water companies here in the uk so we can clearly see where this is going there is an agenda there on the control of water the quality of water um, and, and the access to water that people are likely to have if it carries on the way it's going i mean the, the water it's been a huge issue in in england definitely in the uk UK about the quality of the water and the fact the system's almost on point of collapse. So when I hear a headline like what you've just said, you know, oh, they'll know it when the water comes, right? So they obviously know that that's going to be in the wings. That's an event 201 waiting to happen. When you look at the people that own the water companies, BlackRock, Vanguard, they're all in the same bed together, aren't they? So yeah, it's on the way. It's absolutely on the way. It's almost here, actually. Yeah, it's, a, it's at the doors. And, you know, here's the thing, too. But, but, you know, you can survive without running water piped into your house. Uh, there's a, a lot of people in the world are doing it at the minute. But let me tell you this. It's extremely difficult. You know, if you've ever been in an area and, you know, in Asia or Africa or South America where they don't have that infrastructure there, if you want water for your tea, if you can get a cup of tea or even to get washed in the morning, someone has to go to the river or the well with these huge 10 uh, gallon jerry cans, fill them up, bring them back home again, walk them home. Then you have to boil them over an open fire that you have to get up early in the morning to set the fire for as well. Let the water cool down and then you can pour it over your head and get washed with it, or you can use it for cooking or other things. So it's possible to survive uh, without, you know, clean water in there. But I think our problem is in the West, we're so, um, how would you say, accustomed to that luxury. Imagine having to get up at four o'clock in the morning, walk to the nearest river, carry the water back, build an open fire, boil it before the 6 a.m. breakfast show with Lembit Opic. I would imagine uh, that would be a bit of a nightmare experience for you or I, or Lembit for that matter, if we had to visit the river at 4 a.m. before we could even appear on TNT Radio. What do you think about that? <laughs> Well, I mean, I don't know if you've ever listened to The Breakfast Show with me and Lembit at 6am, but I'm very, very fond. In fact, I can't function without two cups of strong tea. That, that That's what gets me going in the morning. And if I had to, you know, get up at two o'clock to go and walk to the water well and get the water, bring the water back, boil the water, cool the water. I mean, you know, 
it would be chaos, carnage from my side anyway. I wouldn't be fit for broadcast. But joking aside, you know, millions, billions of people in the world do live like that. Mm -hmm. And if the water supply collapses in this country, which it's got every indication of, of doing, then what will happen to people? What will happen to families with kids? I mean, it's, yeah, you're right to say, you know, we don't, we can live without running water, but you've got three kids under the age of 10 that all need to get to school. It's, that's a hard morning, isn't it? A very hard morning. Yeah. Yeah, it, that, that's it. And I think that's the thing that we're so accustomed to having everything on top or at the, the flick of a switch. I don't think that uh, us uh, wishy-washy people in the West would be used to that style of living or find it very, very hard to adapt to it at the very, very least. Now, you have a story for us as well. I just thought I wanted to discuss that one with you rather than me rambling on about it myself. I like your insights and inputs into that, especially concerning BlackRock and Vanguard. Uh, there's another story that we have here as well. Uh, if you can give us the breakdown on that one, uh, it's to do with Ofsted warning about a social contract between parents and their children's teachers has broken amid spiraling bad behavior from kids and uh, pupils uh, in schools. And we've been touching on teaching on and off over the last few weeks because it's a huge thing. And let's face it, it's going to impact the next generation of, you know, workers and thinkers and potential leaders that are coming up through our educational systems. Uh, what's the bottom line with this one? Well, they're presenting it as bad behavior. But I, you know, yesterday we had quite a few positive stories about, you know, people power uh, taking back their own responsibility for their own lives, standing up against the system. And although this story is being presented today in the UK as some kind of disaster, I personally think it's absolutely brilliant. So you've got the, the chief of Ofsted here in the UK. Ofsted is the education regulator for the UK government. She's stepping down at the end of the year. She's retiring. She's writing her final report. That report is out next week. And that report is expected to say, as you rightly say, uh, that the social const construct and agreement between parents and schools has broken down. So it's a look at education over the last year, 2022 into 2023. And it says you know, it's a bit like policing. You know, policing is supposed to be by consent, the consent of the people to be policed. So the chief is saying there's this unwritten agreement between schools and families, which which kind of says that the parents will ensure that kids go to school on time and kids will ensure that their children respect the rules of the school. Now, what she's saying is since the pandemic, that unwritten agreement, that kind of consent between the parents and the school has broken down, unsurprisingly, of course. Now, the schools are saying they're noticing more absences of children on a Monday and a Friday. Uh, over the last year, a fifth have been persistently absent, missing 10% of their schooling. And on one sample day this spring in England, 25,000 children were absent from school without explanation. These figures are way, way, way higher uh, than the pandemic. Now, also, it says in this article that kids are being, quote unquote, disruptive and badly behaved because they are answering back to the teacher and not doing as they are told. I would say, having been a model grade A student my entire career from primary school right the way through to postgrad, being extremely well programmed to do what I was told, answering back and not doing what they're told actually I think is a good thing. Um, now, the chief of Ofsted, she says in her report, it is vital that we restore this contract construct, contract, uh, because it's vital for post-pandemic progress. We need to take back control of kids, basically, and, con and control of the schooling system. Uh, looking at some figures on homeschooling, they're the highest they've ever been. This report quotes 116,300 students now being permanently homeschooled. There's a little bit in here from the parents um, because uh, there was a separate report done ahead of this in September 
It says parents are keeping more and more children out of school because they are now feeling since the pandemic that life is too short. Their kids are anxious about going back to school. They're just not bothered about the fines. They get a fine. They think, so what? One parent is quoted as saying, they're just trying to push fear on me when they give me a fine and I'm not having it. So from my point of view, and it is my only point of view, and I haven't got kids. So I know for parents, school is a bit of a respite, you know, and it's quite a relief to get them off in the morning. But I think it's great. I think it's once again, people seeing through the system, you give people a taste of freedom and they don't want to go back in their cage and children answering mm -hmm. back to teachers and asking questions. That is a good thing in my book, a really good thing. I went through the whole system and all it made me was a good little matrix agent mm -hmm. until I broke my own programming. So personally myself, I think this is very good news. Good little matrix agent. That's a brilliant, uh, very self-defacing, but very funny uh, description that you played yourself. Well, you're certainly no longer a good little matrix agent. You're an evil, twisted TNT, freedom-loving agent right now, and we love it, and so am I. And yeah, interesting, isn't it, that uh, so many kids do toe the line in school, and anybody that's dissenting, like me, for example, you know, I was always being thrown out of the classroom. You're disruptive. Go and stand outside. You know, they didn't want maybe that to catch on with other people's i was used i was on a hit list uh our form teacher in my third year for example it was a chap called dr mccray they had a list drawn up of suspects so when anything went wrong or there was any trouble in school at all i was immediately pulled out of class and questioned uh, whether or not i was guilty of any offenses or not so i made the shortlist uh for the rabble risers in our school but you know what you know i wasn't like an angel i wasn't really a devil either it was just a kid it was a teenager uh, going through teenage years and yeah question Questioning Gemma and uh, not being rude and disrespectful, but certainly questioning what teachers say and challenging teachers should not be looked upon as something that's, uh, you know, disruptive and warrants being removed from a class. It should be encouraged. And I would have thought that a good teacher would actually encourage a kid to question what they're being told, to ask questions. Why is it happening this way? Why does it have to be that way? And you also mentioned uh, the sampling of freedom. I think that's why so many people are loath to go back into their offices again, get onto the trains in the morning, run the rat race every day to go and sit in an office when they've realized for the last two years, three years that they can do that work adequately from home. They don't need to be doing it. I think that's why we're seeing such a pushback as well, trying to drag people back into the city again. Once they've tasted that freedom, they don't want to go back again. No, they don't want to go back. You're quite right. And also parents have spent a lot of time with their children over the, the scandemic and they realise they actually liked each other and wanted to spend time with their beloved kids. And that bond, that sacred bond between parent and child was re-established for a lot of families. Why would you push them back into a system that is just basically teaching you how to be a free range slave on a tax farm, you know, school prepares you for the world of work. That's it. You just have to sit down. You can only move when the bell tells you. Uh, you can only go to the toilet if you ask. I mean, it's, it's, it's work. It's to get you used to authority and working in a system and having every creative ounce of joys completely sucked out of you um, to do what the system wants, not to do what you want here as a human being. It's all about programming. I see that very clearly. And I, I feel sometimes very angry that I was so I so was well fashioned by the system. I was so well, um, you know, uh, hammered into shape by the system. And I, I believed it all. And then it was only in my 40s that I woke up and thought, hang on, I've been had, you know, and it programs you into that. How will this make me look? And what will other people think of me? Mindset, your ego, so that you go out into the world, buy loads of stuff you don't need, have to earn money to impress other people. It is all a lie and it begins in school. So this today has filled me with hope that people are taking back the power. I really hope that that is the case.
Listen, I'm smiling here. I've written down two expressions that you've came out with this morning. I think they should be incorporated into modern dictionaries. Well, first one was free-range slave. That's effectively what you are when you come out of the matrix, uh, school matrix into the educator, the employment system, and also a good little matrix agent. Brilliant. You've brought a smile to my face here today. Those are two fantastic expressions, uh, what schools are producing, and then what we become uh, if we don't break the, out of the matrix when we enter into employment. So, Gemma, it's been an absolute blast uh, all week working with you here. Hopefully you're going to have a relaxing, restful weekend and come back on Monday morning locked and loaded and ready to do it all again. That's the wonderful Gemma Cooper. We've got to take a break right now and I'm going to be joined by the very fiery and very passionate Mark Malloy from Ireland. So please don't go away. More to come here on TNT Radio on Locked and Loaded. You should hear what Chris Smith is talking about. Lomborg has long maintained that wealth and an abundance of energy sources are the key elements required to help the world solve threats to our existence, which is why he opposes the obscene amounts of money the United States, the UK, Europe and Australia are spending on climate change, which can only reduce that wealth and make us all weaker. Yes, climate has costs but so do climate policies. We rarely talk about the fact that as we are making more and more climate policies, that also impacts us negatively. That actually pulls away resources from us. Just to take a look at energy prices here in the UK, energy prices have been coming down for the last two centuries, but now they're starting to go up because of climate policy. But why doesn't the mainstream media's political class ask those correct questions when politicians make humongous spending announcements on, for instance, renewable power? Where are the right questions? Like, what's the cost-benefit analysis of this project, Minister? They never ask the question. And you know why they don't ask the question? Because the left-leaning mainstream media, they're climate change evangelists as well. They don't want to find holes in such grand renewable plans because that's not part of the environmental narrative. Chris Smith on today's News Talk Radio. TNT. Sometimes life can be overwhelming and suicide may seem like the only way to relieve the pain. Beyond Now is an evidence-based app created by Beyond Blue to help you cope when suicidal thoughts start to appear. You can use it to create an easy to follow plan that is personal to you and includes steps like know your warning signs so you can act early, make your environment safe by removing harmful items, activities you can do or people you can be with to distract yourself from suicidal thoughts, reminders of things that make you feel strong. Some of these steps might be tough to fill out and that's okay. It can be helpful to make or share your safety plan with a trusted friend, family member or mental health professional. You might feel like you're alone, but help is available. If you're worried you can't stay safe, use the red telephone icon to call your emergency contacts. Download the free Beyond Now app today to create your personal safety plan. Now I want to say this, and I'm going to say it just once. This is today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Okay, it's Friday the 24th of November 2023. It's been an action-packed week. It's been an action-packed morning here today. Uh, I'm very happy to be joined on the line this morning uh, by the one and only Mark Malloy, who's a fellow Irishman, and we have an awful lot to get talking about this morning, uh, given some of the events that have been happening in Ireland over the last few weeks. I want to get straight down to business. So, Mark, welcome back to uh, TNT Radio and Locked and Loaded. I want to believe that you're doing well this morning. How are you? Doing fantastic, uh, Rick. Uh, thanks for having me on again. 
Uh, uh, it's a pleasure, mate. Past, Derek, for the looks of it. <laughs> yeah, yeah uh, uh, we uh, covered this briefly, Mark, at the start of the show uh, at nine o'clock uh, with Natalie and Gemma, but I told him that we're going to break it in, uh, down even further whenever you come on here at the minute. Obviously, uh, for people that aren't aware, there was a, a stabbing incident yesterday in Dublin city centre. Uh, uh, an Algerian man uh, took a knife to three children and also a woman. He was accosted and uh, taken down, I believe, by a Brazilian delivery driver who attacked him with a motorbike helmet. And as a result of all of this, not directly, but because of a culmination of things that have been happening in Ireland at the minute with the open doors policy, which is what we have talked about uh, for quite a long time now together here in TNT Radio, tensions are very high. Dublin pretty much erupted last night into violence. And this morning, in the aftermath of that, uh, we're seeing the people that were out there protesting, uh, whether they were violent or whether or not they were peaceful or not. The, the focus seems to be on the far-right extremists. There's not a whole lot of talk about those three little kids that were stabbed yesterday. Why do you think that is? Seems to be part of the agenda, you know. Seems I found it very funny that during the week there, uh, well, a very well-known celebrity, uh, Conor McGregor, is putting out mm -hmm. a tweet, one-line tweet, saying, Ireland, we are at war. And then the, the, this morning, he has another tweet out. You know, this man has been absent for three and a half years. Yes. Uh, watching the government, uh, suppose, cur curtail, gaslight and cohesion into totalitarian state, which was seeing playing out very badly in the South last night. Like, it was very disturbing to watch. I sat and watched yesterday evening's coverage. Uh, most of the night, it was to see it last in the morning. And, you know, you, could, you, you can understand the people's frustration. Hmm. You know, um, the far-right element, uh, seen through Horace on the, this morning, they're very quick. Rick, you know, to judge far right, there must have a serious far right problem in Dublin because there was thousands and thousands of people on that street last night, mm -hmm. thousands, mm -hmm. and they were all very, 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 very angry. Why? Because this was all preventable. And yeah. I watched uh, Leo Varadkar uh, had a live conference there with the BBC there this morning, and I mentioned the hit hatred and incitement to violence uh, legislation that Helen McEntee is looking to push through the doll and they, what do you call her, uh, Sharon Kilgan was on there last mm -hmm. week saying that Helen's very confident that she'll get this through before uh, Christmas. She says, and I wonder how, she says, because I have 60 odd amendments and somebody else has 100 and some odd amendments. Well, you can see now that this year's given them full full leverage for it and they've given the Garda on uh, scrupulous, what would you call it, powers going here forward. Yes. Uh, 30, 34 yeah. men arrested, you know, or 34 people arrested, very quick to do that there, you know. So, look, we're, 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 there's going to be a lot of midnight sweeps. Yeah. 
McEntee actually said uh, when she was interviewed uh, yesterday, and for those who don't know, uh, Helen McEntee is the so-called justice minister uh, in Ireland. She said there will be arrests, there will be people going to prison as a result of this. So she's talking already in terms of people actually doing jail time. And, and at that point, nobody had been arrested, Mark, and nobody certainly had been to trial and nobody had faced a jury. But yet she was adamant that people were going to be uh, locked up in prison as a result of some of the uh, shenanigans that was going on in Dublin city centre last night. We've got to take a quick uh, news break just for 30 seconds. When we come back, I want to read a statement to you, which I think summarises things very well. And it was written by a guy who's part of Grip Media, a guy called John McGurk. Love him or hate him. He actually put something down on paper last night that I think uh, sums up the situation well and the sentiment very well. And I want to get your feedback on that one. So please stay tuned uh, for more from Mark Malloy and myself here uh, after this short news break on TNT Radio. Don't go away. Big news. TNT Radio News. Matt Boyland here with a look at your TNT headlines. New York City's Democratic Mayor Eric Adams has been accused of sexually assaulting a woman who he worked with 30 years ago. A former State Department official has been arrested on hate crime charges. A Pentagon education employee has been arrested, caught up in a human trafficking sting in suburban Atlanta. And China says there is no need for alarm over an illness infecting children in the country's north. We're the pinup boys and poster girls for free speech. We just don't look as impressive as Vladimir Putin shirtless on a horse. Yeah. 24 7, 365. We never stop sifting fact from fiction, misinformation from the truth. From government overreach to the latest on mandates, big tech censorship to propaganda gone mad. Listen to TNT Radio and get the news and views direct from our expert presenters and commentators anywhere you go. Ask Alexa or Google to play TNT Radio or download the TNT Radio app for free from the App Store or Google Play. Today's news talk. This is TNT Radio. Okay, Mark, I've got a, a comment here, just a very brief one that I'm going to read out. And I want, to, uh, want you to give me your opinions, whether or not you agree with this, disagree with it, or somehow aligned with it. Uh, John McGurk, who writes for Grip Media in Ireland, has been covering the events of the last 24 hours in Dublin. This is what he said. Uh, I quote, I'm quoting him, by the way, these are not my words. When thousands of people protested peacefully in East Wall and in other communities across Dublin and across Ireland. Their reward was not to be recognised, not to be engaged with for their peaceful uh, political participation. Their reward was to be called far-right, deplorable and the dregs of Irish society. The thing against which they protested has happened anyway. When peaceful mothers and women said on camera that they feared for their safety, as a result of an influx of immigrant men, often into communities with no amenities for those men, their reward was to be accused of fear-mongering. There are those clutching for a gotcha moment who will say something like, aha, but today's suspect or person of interest is a naturalized Irish citizen, talking about the man who was done the stabbing yesterday in Dublin, uh, but does it speak well of an immigration citizen, a system that naturalizes people capable of such acts? Uh, there are those who sincerely believe, apparently, the duty of the media is to suppress facts facts like the facts of what happened in Dublin yesterday. And largely, uh, uh, lastly, he says, when a young man last week, which is the 
the boyfriend of Aisling Murphy, who's another Irish woman that was brutally stabbed by a Slovak immigrant, uh, Joseph Yuska, uh, or whatever, Puska, or whatever his name is, uh, last week. Her, her boyfriend came out with a statement, uh, linked the murder of his beloved girlfriend to Ireland's immigration policies. The media left that out. So uh, McGurk finishes up by saying, every single effort has been made to silence people. And they made themselves heard in Dublin last night. I wish they had done another way. Then I remember they did and they were not listened to. Is the result of last night uh, uh, ultimately to do with the fact that these people have been ignored for months and years now? They've been taken to the streets in East Wall, in Drogheda, in uh, Balbriggan, all over Ireland. And their voices, Mark, have been not acknowledged. And not only that, but they've been demonized and called far right and extremists simply for expressing concern about what's happening in Ireland. What do you think? Yes or no? I think he's correct. It's an absolute disgrace the way the state and all the state officials and all the media have clearly come out and just straight away are labeling people far right. It just seems to be the go-to uh uh, you know, buzzword. It's the same as me, Hall Martin, there. You know, stating there one time that it was uh, international obligations when he was challenged on a radio show. The the man on the radio show challenged him, saying it's an immigration, and he says, "Where's your humanity? Where's your humanity?" You know, they're very dismissive people. They're out of touch with real Ireland. These are real people. I travelled to Finglas uh -huh. the, the very night that uh, Graham Carey was arrested that morning. They bursted in and he was up in court there last week and they are doing him for incitement to violence. It's a very serious, serious charge. Could put the man away for, for a number of years. And it's it's very funny that it all seems to be coming around the same time, you know, that this hatred and hate and incitement to violence mm. act that Helen McEntee is looking to force through the doll. Now, they, they voted on this in the doll, the lower house of the doll, right? And it went through without without even anybody even reading anything or anything because... When it got up into the Shannon, the second tier, Sharon Kilgan and the Senators. Mm -hmm. Oh, even Sinn Féin, who passed it in the lower house, says that they cannot pass this legislation because it is one of the most dangerous pieces of legislation and she has failed to define what hate speech is. Mm -hmm. So these people have unconstitutionally passed legislation in the lower house with impunity, with complete disregard of future implications for my children, their grandchildren, and even myself. Or woman in this island. Once they change it in the constitution or any way in the constitution, it is done in accordance with law. Mm -hmm. We are afforded certain inalienable, indefeasible, and imprescriptible rights. That is natural law, which is enshrined in Articles 40 to 44 of the Irish Constitution. Article 40 is personal rights. Article 41 is the family. 
The state recognises the family as a natural and fundamental group in society and as such a moral institution possessing inalienable, imprescriptible rights and descendant, meaning superior to all positive law, acts, statutes, legislation and guidelines. Anything which is repugnant to this constitution should be deemed null and void. That's Article 15.4. Article 9.2 of the Irish Constitution is fidelity to the nation and loyalty to the state is a fundamental and political duty of all citizens. Well, the citizens went for the past three and a half years and tried to be heard on all fronts and they were laughed at, they were ostracized out of the community, you know, called for a right. We don't have a far-right problem. As I said it to you before, what happened to Catholic and Protestant? That old, that old duck's dead now, you see. So they have to import the problem. If you import the third world, you become the third world. We didn't have these problems during the Troubles. And I can tell you this, the Glenang Gang, the Glenang Gang in Northern Ireland were one of the most ruthless murder uh, people are... are t- what would you call it, factions of what happened yes. in the Troubles during the North. And they yes. were going one night to shoot up, or one day to shoot up a primary school, and they didn't do it. That never even happened during the Troubles in the North, and the hatred between the Protestants and Catholics, and the bitterness, we lived it, Rick. We lived it. Mm-hmm. And I know. here we have a problem down here, which has started because people wanted their voice heard. The, the education system... You know, the state acknowledges that the primary and natural educator of the, fa- the child is the family and guarantees to respect the inalienable, which is God-given, natural law, mm-hmm. superior to all other law, man-written law, and the duty of the parents to provide in accordance with their means for the religious and moral, intellectual, physical, and social education of their children. Parents shall therefore be free to provide this education in their homes or in private schools or in schools recognized, established by the state. Why is these these fundamental rights not being afforded to Irish people? Why do they have to come out onto the streets and fight for something which is enshrined in the Irish constitution? This is this is the problem here, you see, because it, it is enshrined in the Irish Constitution and they are inalienable God-given rights, but yet it seems to be people are having to take to the streets. And people have been taken to the streets to get their voices heard, but then their voices haven't been heard. And unfortunately, it's been escalated to the point that it was at last night. Nobody wants to see uh, Dublin on fire. Nobody wants to see buses being set on fire. Nobody wants to see the police being attacked. But that's the sentiment that's running through the streets at the minute, not by everybody, granted. And there were instigators there probably that were just down there looking for trouble. Not everybody was down there because they wanted to uh, close Ireland's borders. You know, with a crowd of that size, you've got a variety of people there that are there for different reasons or motives. But ultimately, when you refer back to uh, Helen McEntee's hate speech bill, that as you said, you know, she seems adamant that this is going to be pushed through by the end of the year, despite the fact that other people like Senator uh, Sharon Keown were scratching her head saying, well, there's 60 amendments potentially that I want to see being done to this. Could this be uh, used as an excuse what we saw in Dublin last night, could we see that used as an excuse to force this through as a matter of urgency to ensure 
uh, that this doesn't happen on the streets of Dublin again. Uh, that's one question I have for you. Another one is to do with the guards, the Gardaí, the Garda and Shikana. Uh, they had their uh, spokesman out last night uh, to say that the Garda representative association, uh, he made a statement to say that last night in Dublin, and this is their words, this is the Garda's own words, was a failure of training a failure of resources and a failure of personnel. These are problems they've spoken about uh, for a long time and they've said it's clear from what happened last night. So are we going to see this used uh, as a as a lever to bring in more draconian powers on the government's part and even on the guards' part, uh, what they can do to people? We saw, I don't know if you saw Philip Dwyer last night, uh, he was doing a lot of uh, reporting down from that. I think he had his, it looks like he had one of his legs broken uh, after uh, being attacked allegedly by a Garda officer yesterday. He was doing a stream last night, his shin made, looked like his right shin looked like it had been broken. He was bashed up really, really badly. And all he was doing was standing there peacefully trying to document what was happening, and yet he could end up in the hospital with a broken leg as a result of heavy-handedness. Will this all be used as a lever to bring in more uh, power for the guards and for the Irish government? Absolutely. That's, uh, uh, as as we can see, uh, we, they're so transparent, and it's it, it, it's disgusting to watch. We're, we're watching this Helen McEntee rule with impunity. You know, they, they invested ten million there the last time an American got a hiding in O'Connell Street or somewhere like that, mm-hmm. and the American embassy declared Dublin an unsafe city, and Helen McEntee and the Garda Commissioner Drew Harris, MI5, RUC, came out, came out, and ten million investment in uh, the Garda in Dublin. Well, where were they yesterday? That's right where outside these, right? the Garden of Remembrance. Uh-huh. You know, I travel there regular. I was in Dublin last Saturday. I have a video up on my YouTube where I was walking up Moore Street. I walked up Moore Street on Saturday evening at about 6 o'clock because I had to go to the GPO. And I walked up Moore Street, and a man took me up Moore Street, and that's where the 1916 rise, and they went through all the buildings. He explained it all to me. It's dilapidated. There's women there that have been trading 44 years, a woman, Bridget, who was trading 44 years, third generation. People are coming up to her and saying, Bridget, we're sorry, but we can't come here anymore to deal with you. They're closing down. All the markets are closing down, and it's like Gypsy Romania. Hmm. Call it for what it is. Then I walked mm-hmm. around the corner in our corner, and it was like walking into Africa. Mm-hmm. And this is in Dublin city centre. This is Dublin city centre. Now I didn't feel under threat. Okay, I'll say that mm-hmm. now. I didn't feel, but I wasn't there that long. It was a flying mm-hmm. visit. I was there at a quarter past five, and I was way at half six again. But I went down Moor Street. And it's a damn shame you walk the whole way down Moor Street and on the left-hand side there is seven stainless steel pictures of the seven signatories of the proclamation and that is the only thing that is left in that street to remember them people. What is happening in Ireland is, as Michal Martin said, it's this backward way of looking of sovereignty. Michal Martin and yesterday, in the doll yesterday, they were discussing the the triple lock on the neutrality of this country, by the way. Mm-hmm. 
Martin, as blase as he always is, says, I was 12 years of age in 1972 whenever we joined the European Union and they were saying back then there'd be UN soldiers on the streets. He says, we still haven't seen them. Hmm. It's all conspiracy theory. These people uh, are see, disgusting. They are, Mark. I was going to say... Now. Their elections are coming yeah, up. So they have to answer yeah, I, people. I was going to say, we're gonna, we'll have to take a wee break, and then I don't want to break your uh, flow here, but when we come back, let's look at uh, what is coming up for Ireland. Let's look at the elections that are coming up, and let's cast our eye over the political landscape a little bit, because there's a whole lot of parties uh, in Ireland that are all vying for power. You've got Fine Gael, you've got Fianna Fáil, you've got Sinn Féin, you've got uh, all sorts of people are looking to get into power. So is it a case of, you know, you're going to be jumping from the frying pan into the fire if Edgar gets ousted, uh, and Micheál Martin is no longer the tarnished that you know what what could we have in position instead and how does that bode uh, for ireland going forward so we've got to got to take a quick break when we come back let's dig a little bit deeper into what the options and choices are for the irish voter if you'd still vote and you still believe in democracy in ireland what's on the table for you should another election come ahead so please don't go away mark malloy and i uh tnt radio will be discussing this after the break so here we go De-weaponizing weather with reality and perspective. A very interesting study has come out. The top 1% of wage earners in the world produce 99% of the emissions of CO2. Now, if CO2 were bad, that'd be a big problem. But it's not bad. But it's very interesting the way they came up with that. The number one producer of CO2 with 1.3 billion people is China. So the Chinese have to be consuming more CO2 than let's say the United States, and they do five to 10 times more. But that's interesting. Is this study saying that the average wage in China is higher than the average wage in the United States? I seriously doubt that. And the answer is not with CO2. It has to do with the system, the system of capitalism and freedom, which of course is being taken apart in the United States and other areas in the West versus the Chinese system. Now we continue to see China thumbing its nose at the rest of the world as they have produced 137 coal plants in the last two years and continue to build them like mad. And yet they say, Oh, well, we're going to be carbon neutral by 2050. By 2050? I thought the world's ending within 10 years. What good is carbon neutral by 2050? They're not going to be carbon neutral anytime in anyone's lifetime and likely in anyone's lifetime that has not been born yet. This is TNT Climate and Weather Watchdog Meteorologist Joe Bastardi asking you to enjoy the weather. It's the only weather you've got. Hi, I'm Ryan Blaney, a third-generation race car driver. And we dedicate a lot of our time to going as fast as possible. But when my grandpa was diagnosed with Alzheimer's, it was a very unexpected bump in the road for us. It's important to notice if older family members are acting differently, experiencing problems with their memory, or having trouble with routine tasks. Early detection of Alzheimer's can give your family time to explore support services, make a plan for the future, and access available treatments. If you or your family are noticing changes, it could be Alzheimer's. Talk about seeing a doctor together. Informative and engaging. Rick Munn. Rick Munn on today's News Talk Radio, TNT.
Okay, I uh, just want to give a quick shout out to all our chat denizens out there. Uh, sorry, I've been neglecting you lovely people a little bit over the last uh, few days, but I'm trying to keep myself focused on all the, you know, framing and staying upright, looking at the camera and all that. But haven't forgot about you. Do check in in the live chat. Uh, Jane Black, uh, who's one of our regular guests here in Locked and Loaded. Mark, uh, she's from the Glens of Atrum, said, I love Mark Malloy. His insights always get me fired up. Keep going, Mark. And also Mazzy also said, Said, uh, this is fired up Friday and great indeed great to hear Mark we've got Madrid in there Nigel's in there we've got V Rez back in there Jethro's in there Red is in there Molly Bites uh, has also said amazing caller Rick referring to you Mark as well so it's nice to know my friend that at least there's some people out there listening to us uh, having our little uh, discussion on what's happening in Ireland it's nice to know that it's not falling in deaf ears isn't it Yes, I appreciate it very much. I appreciate the listeners. You know, the the demographics of the voting in Ireland is changing, and these people here know that 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 it was at a stalemate. That's why you had hung parliaments and whatnot. So they need to change the demographics, and they're importing it. They're importing it. Ireland will be liable for more asylum seekers than any other EU country under new pact. Radical reforms will see fair share approach to migration based on population size and GDP. Helen McEntee, Justin Minister, has said Ireland will consider whether it will opt to into the new rules once they are enacted. There, the, the, Sinn Féin, the, the Mid-Ulster Council here, were told to prepare. I have a video up there, you know, the doorstep challenge, which I'm calling it, because... There is big elections coming up in the south, and there could be possible elections coming here in the north, but I doubt it because Jeffrey will be back in by de December. So he will. Jeffrey cannot mm -hmm. afford to go for an hour election. He cannot go to the people for a third time till the doorsteps while he hasn't moved forward, backwards, side roads, nowhere. They're moving on without him. The demographics have changed. The change of the guard has happened. Michelle O'Neill mm -hmm. shook the hands of the King of England, and mm -hmm. they are now the largest party, both north and south, of this island, and 100 years on, since 1922, since they signed the, the treaty, they are now going to go into an all-island pact. And they've got mm -hmm. to go ahead, and the, the, the shake, seal of approval from the King of England and the European Parliament, they are the biggest machine in Western Europe by the Democrat Party in America. They are heavily funded. They are the biggest party. They are smart. They have been planning for this year for a very, very long time. Everybody was short-sighted. They were long-sighted. And it's playing out. Mary Lou will become Taoiseach. By 2026, they will be talking about uh, the mandate that they have, the electoral mandate that they went in in the 80s with in the north here for an all-island uh, border poll. Uh, they will legislate for a border poll. By 2028, we will have a border poll in this country regardless. And what do you call them? Bertie Ahern said it whenever they signed the Good Friday Agreement in 1998. I cannot see why in 30 years' time there will be a not united Ireland. Now, Bertie's sitting there in the, the background looking to become president, and I would say 
That's why Jerry Adams is sitting so quietly away out of the seat and he'll come back and I'll agree, man, and they'll say, all's forgiven, Jerry, come on, be the president for Sinn Féin and Ireland. That's my take <laughs> on it. That's where we're going and it's all part of a 2030 a- agenda. They're all into multiculturalism. They're into Marxism. They're into communism. They fooled us up here in the north for 30 years, 35 years, and now they have turned around to friends of mine and says, we don't need your vote. You know, you're you're talking there about the return of Bertie Ahern and the return of Jerry Adams, who seem to have skulked off into the shadows. You know, we talk about this a lot. Tony Blair is making a comeback as well in uh, you know in the Labour Party. Well, he never really went away. And then last week, uh, David Cameron has now been appointed uh, into a government position. He's not even elected. And then he was rushed through the House of Lords uh, this week. He's now Lord David Cameron. So what is it, Mark, about all these old hands, as we call them over in Northern Ireland? Isle hands, you know, these Isle fellas that have drifted away, they were relevant at least for a period of time or they were in the public's and in the public's consciousness they disappeared away and now they could be whisked back uh, into the limelight again. So uh, Ireland is no different uh, than what's going on in England here at the minute. Another thing, by the way, I want to bring up with you, there's so much stuff here I wanted to try and cover off with you this morning, but Varadkar, Leo Varadkar came out with a, a message this week, a video message that was encouraging people uh, that they could vote in local elections, even if they aren't uh, normally resident or even irrespective of their visa status uh, within Ireland as well. That came out with a lot of uh, backlash from the public as well, effectively saying, listen, anybody can just come on over here and vote and influence local elections or even be elected into local council. Uh, What do you make of that uh, for Edgar's statement on uh, voting rights uh, in Ireland for people that aren't even uh, Irish nationals? Well, sure, he's he's the Taoiseach, isn't he? Sure, and he's sure his father's not an Irish national, you know. So it makes you wonder. It's just a banana republic. It's completely lawless. They're uh, not in harmony nor consistent with the provisions of the Irish Constitution. Uh, therefore, everything they're doing is repugnant, ultra varies, which is a Latin term for illegal. Um, you know, back in 1939, whenever the Taoiseach, uh, on the 2nd of September 1939, when they were passing the First Amendment, which they only writ in uh, English language, only never ever in English or in Irish, the first principle language, therefore it cannot be a law. And that was to evoke emergency legislation because of the Second World War. And they passed it at about quarter past four in the morning, on a Sunday morning, fly-by nights, and they evoked that on the 16th, Leo Varadkar evoked that on the 16th of March 2020. And it is sort of running out. And we have been in a perpetual state of war, believe it or not, since the, the First World War. And that's mm-hmm. how they are legislating both north and south of this island with impunity. Like, you have the Windsor framework, and you had Rishi Sunak sitting with the president of the European Parliament sitting around a treaty table, signing a treaty about our island, both north and south. There was no representatives from the north, there was none from the south, and they went to the King of England for royal assent. And there's silence on this, both from loyalists, both from republicans. Can they not see what's happening here? You know, Belfast has turned in, you know, there's parts of Belfast that has turned into Palestine and other parts of it that has yep. turned into Israel. 
I know it's it's, it's mad. You when know, I, when you see the change, Mark, even a, when you see the change in Belfast to you, I used to work in Belfast every day. So, you know, I was in it an awful lot over the course of about uh, 15 years. I haven't been in it hardly at all for the last, I would say, nearly two to three years now. But the odd time that I do go into Belfast, Mark, uh, the place has changed uh, beyond recognition for me, especially down in the city centre itself. Uh, just uh, keeping the focus on the north, we've only got a, about three or four minutes left to talk here. Our uh, North of Ireland politics here, Stormont, what's going on? Do, do, do we think we'll see them all back around the table again at Stormont, or uh, is that a deal. dead duck as well? That's a, de- that's a done deal. What they're doing now is just playing out the, the, the what do you call it, the facade. Like You see, they've, they've, they've got into that much debt, 350 billion debt or something like that. There, How, how does we six counties get so much debt? Especially when they were getting billions from the South, billions from the more from the UK government than what they were paying in the EU to stay per annum, and they, mm-hmm. they were getting EU money, and we're and we're broke with with all our civil servants on on the packet line. You know, we the whole time in twenty five years that Stormont has been established, how many days have they actually sat and done business? These questions remain unanswered. I challenged Mm -hmm. them on the doorsteps. I said to Sinn Féin, you have been told to prepare for immigration or refugees in 2024. And he says, "Ah." I says, well, the DUP is not going to go back into government with you. Oh, they have to, they have to. I says, they're not. I says, and on the 1st of May 2023, they're bringing in the civil service to rule this country. And they're going to legislate all this stuff, pass all this stuff, and then the DUP and Sinn Féin will come back in like an hour, new decade, new approach bullshit, and they'll come back in and they'll, they'll, they'll remove some of it, but most of it will remain. And that's how they do it. And the, the, this old game of us and them and, and the DUP, you know, Sinn Féin, you have hit the pinnacle and you're still blaming DUP. DUP still blaming Sinn Féin. 25 yeah. years on, we're all traumatized. I'm a traumatized war child. 70s, 80s babies are all traumatized. We have mm-hmm. been left behind, and now it's time for accountability in this island, both north and south. And they're, 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 it's disgusting what they're doing here. And I, I'm glad to see the people rising, to be quite honest. Because it's yes. about time. The yes. rest of Europe has done it a long time ago. It's about time we've done it. Because there will be a change. There will, There has to be a change. There Nothing's has to be, Mark, permanent. you know, we're, 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 we're nearly out of time in this one, and we were trying to get in this, uh, talking about this earlier on, covering the events in Dublin last night. And even though, you know, we can't say that it's it's great to see police cars being burnt, it's great to see hotels being set on fire. Listen, there needs to be a mass concerted effort where people come together to get rid of this uh, corrupt and rancid government that's in place at the minute and only when people realize that they're being played that the, you know this left and right or orange versus green or protestant and catholic or Sinn 
Fein against Fianna Foyle. Listen, it doesn't matter who uh, is in power at the minute. The people that are in power are not out for the Irish people and the Irish people are suffering. And I'm like you. Uh, I'm a child of the, you know, a product of the 70s and the 80s growing up during the Troubles uh, in the north of Ireland. And it was a hell of a time. It was a hell of a time for so many people. Thousands killed, tens of thousands of people uh, maimed and injured and lives ruined and destroyed. And, you know, it, we can't we can't go back down that road again, but we can't allow things to continue going the way they're going because the governments or so-called politicians that we have in place at the minute seem absolutely hell-bent uh, on driving us into the ground, mate. And I don't think we're, we're going to stand for it. Mark, we're out of time. I wish I could talk to you for another hour. The live chat's going mad. Everybody thinks you're the bee's knees. Uh, and I would have to concur with that one too. You're talking an awful lot of sense. So a big TNT salute and a big uh, show of love for Mr. Mark Malloy here this morning uh, on TNT Radio. I just want to thank you, mate, for joining me. And hopefully uh, we'll get talking again, if not before Christmas, maybe in the new year. So big salute to Mark. Big salute to Murray and the guys in the studio for nailing it all down, for TNT for making the live stream happen this week. Stay tuned. James Freeman is incoming. I'll be back on Monday morning at 9 o'clock with Natalie. So have a great weekend. This is Rick Munn, locked and loaded over and out. Out.